Welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Wayne Malou, and today I am joined by Big V, Vivek Jacob, Raptors.com, friend of the program. What's up, V? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. It's yeah? good to have the Raptors back. It's mm-hmm. good to have United battling for a top four position. Oh, okay. We're already here. The dream is alive. Oh, wow. This is just for Alex. Um, and India got a huge win over Pakistan. Yeah, so d- d- before we get into this game last night, did you wake up at 4 a.m. to watch that? Of course I woke up at 4 a.m. to watch. What do you mean, of course you woke up at 4 a.m.? It's India versus Pakistan in the World Cup, bro. Yeah. Okay, all right. Congrats. You got to wake up. Yeah, congrats. All right. Um, Alex has put here on the rundown. Happy, Happy Diwali. Diwali to those who celebrate. Yep, yeah, there you go. Had a great dinner on Sunday. Got some great news from some great friends. Uh, anyway, so Raptors heat. Um, that's all the small <laughs> talk we segue. have for now. Um, we'll, we'll talk more football later. Uh, unfortunately, to be honest, Liverpool uh, underperforming so hard this season mm. has really made me more reluctant mm. to talk soccer on the show. <laughs> so I'm sure people are rejoicing. So I don't think that we're too popular in terms of those segments. But okay, so Raptors heat, um, the rematch. Obviously, game one, Raptors coming in super late, played no defense at all in the first half. Uh, there was a fight. There were some injuries. Uh, and ultimately, the Raptors made a hard comeback, but they couldn't get it over the line. I felt like if that game went like five more minutes, the Raptors could have won the first game as well. But mm. obviously, that's not how the game is played. Second game, I mean, I wanted to know what your expectations were coming into it. Because for me, I was just thinking this is going to be a, like this is going to be one of those like rock fights. And that's kind of exactly how it went. Raptors winning 98 to 90. Yeah, coming into the game, I expected to see a full-out response because for so much of uh, the first part of this home-at-home, whatever you want to call it, the Raptors were unrecognizable. There were so many mental mistakes that you would generally not associate with the team, Mm -hmm. whether it was, you know, missing out on two-for-one opportunities, not crashing the glass, all of that type of stuff. Um And so I expected the Raptors to come out with a serious effort in the first quarter, set the tone early. um, And I thought they did a pretty good job of that. Obviously, uh, you expected Miami to come hard at Pascal. And I thought they were timing the double teams really, really well and forcing him into some tough decisions. And uh, he needed some time to actually recognize and read what they were doing. But, you know, around him, uh, I thought everyone stepped up. I think... Fred Van Vliet took that onus on himself. It's like, okay, there's no Scotty Barnes. A little bit less of that catch-and-shoot role. More onus to, you know, get the offense going. And I thought he did a really good job of that. Yeah, and and that's one of those themes that um, I have been tracking on the show. Uh, We talked to Alvin about it yesterday, just as a point guard, the transition from scoring to playmaking, finding the right balance. And, And even Alvin was saying, like, look, obviously this is a new role for Fred. But he's still got to find a better balance of it, right? Like, I think there there needs to be more of that scoring emphasis. And, of course, as you mentioned, no Scotty. That's a big gap in the lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Scotty has done really well in these matchups against Miami. He was probably the only guy who was playing well in the first half of the first game when they uh, didn't play any defense. So, um, unfortunately, obviously, he wasn't able to play. Good news on that front. Um, he is He was a game-time decision. He remains questionable. He's day-to-day. Uh, so, there is a chance that we see Scotty Barnes coming back from an ankle injury against... Philly is, is that is that is that is that a little scary to you is that a little too much deja vu like what's going on no I mean if he's ready to come back I think he should go I think okay they will 
I would like to think they've learned their lessons from last season in terms of, like Fred said, he learned his lesson in terms of, you know, not listening to his body. Mm. And hopefully that's a message that's been sent across the locker room. Yeah. And so there is no need to rush Scotty back. There is too much at stake long-term with him mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. force the issue. It's go- we're going into game five of 82. Right, so right, right. unless he's absolutely ready to go, there's no need to rush him. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, to that point, you have no Scotty. So Fred has to be more aggressive. Um, what did you see from his approach? Because was it that different from what he did last season? when he was healthy uh, in the game last night against Miami, or was it sort of like more of a hybrid approach of that playmaking, but also that uh, willingness to step up, you know, especially when Pascal's off the floor, he can maybe slide into that number one scoring option. Like, what did you make of Fred's game? And is that the right balance that you would like to see him hit for the rest of the season? So I do agree that it was more of a hybrid as opposed to a full shift to what he was last season. And Uh, I think it was just understanding that whereas maybe in the first few games it was Pascal first, Scotty second, and then, you know, between him and OG, what the opportunity presents, uh, they'll take advantage. Uh, I think he was clearly saying, hey, if Pascal is going to kick it out, if Pascal doesn't have it, I'm I'm going with it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what we saw, and that's what you need while Scotty's out. Is this what I want to see going forward? Um, no, because to, okay. uh, when Scotty's healthy anyway, right? Uh, as, as long as Scotty is out, this is the Fred I want to see. Uh, when Scotty comes back, uh, I'm okay with seeing it returning to what we saw the first few games because we are trying to see Fred Van Vliet play his best basketball mm. in April, May, hopefully some way in June. Right. 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 Uh, and so keeping that in mind, uh, the one thing I will say with Scotty is I want to track in terms of his taking what the game is giving him, how much is he going to just assert himself? Mm-hmm. I yep. think there's been times where he's settled for that mid-range shot and maybe hasn't been as assertive as he can be. How much of that was maybe the ankle bothering him to an extent? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But he needs to be that assertive to validate Fred moving down the pecking order. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And I think that expectation needs to be put on Scotty as well, right? It's not always on the other players on the team. I think it's easier, especially when you have, like, um, discussions where uh, you have, like, fans sort of picking sides between which players they support. Uh, It's easier to blame other players for not passing the ball to them or blame the coach for not drawing up plays for them. But it's a lot of the time, it's like the responsibility is there. The ball's going to rotate and it's going to move around on the Raptors. It's a very unselfish team. It's your turn to decide when to attack. And I think that once Scotty is back, and obviously, you know, hopefully he's he's fully ready with the ankle and everything like that, you do want to see him attack. But, I mean, for me, it's like this season, even though Fred hasn't controlled the ball that much, I think the best stretch of the Raptor basketball have unsurprisingly come when Fred and Pascal are the main directors of the offense. They're, they're the main initiators. And I thought last night, obviously the half-court offense was pretty gummy. What was the stat that you tweeted out at halftime? <laughs> at halftime, the Raptors had uh, a half-court offensive rating of 58. 58, and- <laughs> okay. All right, that's a little higher than I thought it was, actually. And a uh-huh. transition offensive rating of 180. 180, all right, yeah. So, um, very, very drastic difference. But, I mean, I think you got to give Miami a lot of credit, too. Like, obviously yeah. a very experienced team. 
really well coached team. They execute. They play really hard last night. And, you know, like, it, it's not easy to score on that team. But I don't know. I think there is, like, a tried and true combo with Fred and Pascal that um, you really needed to lean on last night. I think a lot of the fourth quarter offense, outside of the, the, uh, the transition or even semi-transition opportunities, um, a lot of that was Fred and Pascal. So I, I, I still like seeing them control the offense. But, um, you know, I think the other part of that is just you have to – put the ball in players' hands who know how to, like, solve a problem, right? And last night, it was a real problem. Miami was giving Pascal lots of fits. Like, I think he shot, like, 2 of 14 in the first half. Mm -hmm. And then second half, he was way better, 5 of 11, but got to the free throw line a ton, got 18 points, had six assists in the second half. What were some of the adjustments that you saw from uh, the Raptors and also from Pascal Siakam that led to him having a really bad first half versus a really great second half? Well, I think... Particularly in the second quarter, I was getting frustrated with uh, the spacing on the court and the overall offensive process. I felt like Pascal was just rushing uh, more than he needed to at times. And Mm -hmm. um, I think because of the way Miami was timing their doubles, I think he made up his mind that he was just going to go as early as possible and sort of force some decisions from there. And it just didn't work out in his favor. And then I think the second half, you know, having that understanding of where the double is coming from, understanding, um, you know, where his teammates are going to be. I thought the spacing was better. You know, generally uh, you saw uh, Gary and OG out there on the court uh, most times. Um, And then uh, honestly, on top of that, like Precious's rebounding was huge, right? (laughs) Yeah, amazing. When you talk about what this team needs offensively, it Mm -hmm. starts with securing that defensive board and getting out and pushing with pace as much as possible. And so multiple times you could see Precious secure the board, either get it to Fred, get it to uh, Pascal, and the offense is in motion, able to generate better looks. And Mm -hmm. so I think all of that led to uh, a better second half for Pascal. And, you know, the third quarter, I thought the process was really good. It's Mm -hmm. just that they were missing shots. Like Gary had some really wide open looks. And then all of a sudden the fourth quarter especially over the final seven minutes where they only allowed seven points in those final seven <laughs> yeah. minutes. Yeah. So to close the game out like that, mm-hmm. um, Pascal, again, perfect decisions in terms of finding his teammates, taking it, taking the onus uh, on himself uh, when he needed to. And I really like overall that Pascal never, like, devalued his own scoring. Mm. I think... Okay. I would go back to even the 2019-20 season, which was by all accounts an amazing season until the bubble. Um, There were times where if he didn't have his offense going, he's such an unselfish teammate that he was like, okay, let's get other people involved because I I don't have it tonight. And I think you still need to put that pressure on the defense and you can't allow them to think, okay, he's not looking for his shot. Because the Raptors, as it is, <laughs> like they don't really command a lot of gravity, right? Mm, yeah. And so constantly keeping the defense wary of, hey, I'm going to try and attack you. Um, I think that is an important evolution in his game and keeping that process consistent. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, I, I think there are times where you see Pascal get visibly frustrated. I think probably more last season, definitely in the Tampa season, although there were other extenuating factors for that. Um, 
what I've seen from this season, he's just confident. Like, even he had a bad first half, like, in terms of his scoring, he didn't, he didn't, you know, escape the game, as you mentioned, right? He stuck with it, and he found ways. And to your point, it's like, you got to know sometimes, like, when you go quick and when you go slow, right? Like, in the half court, Miami's defense was stacked up so well that unless it was, like, a fadeaway into the right corner on the baseline to, to seal the game, which he did hit, by the way, <laughs> you're not going to get a lot of opportunities, right? Like, you're... You're probably going to have to shoot some catch-and-shoot jumpers, which he did. He knocked down two threes, which is really big. Um, Both but, being above the break, by the way. That, that yeah. is what I love. Exactly, right? And that's the area where he's operating from the most often. So he's probably going to be spotting up from there the most often. Mm-hmm. Yes, like the corner three is probably an easier shot. It's a shot that he's taken more of, especially in that championship season when he won most improved player. He was taking most of his shots from the corners. He was wide open. But now when his responsibility offensively is so big, you need him at the top of the floor at all times, either as an outlet or as the main initiator. So he's not going to be in a position to be stationed in the corner. That's not a luxury that Pascal gets. But um, he kind of accepted that, like, look, I'm probably not going to get all the way to the rim as much as I want. In fact, Miami was basically, that was the whole defense, right? Alvin pointed out on broadcast. We're playing boxes on elbows. Like, he's got a man on him. He's got a help defender at the edge of the paint, and then he's got a help defender at the rim. you got to be three guys to get to the basket. You're probably not going to shoot an efficient shot there. However, you also got to know when to go quick, too, because I thought almost all of the Raptors' best fourth-quarter offense just came off of transition. Mm -hmm. And the way Pascal, Pascal played 42 minutes, he was pushing the break. He was leading the break. There were opportunities where he had, like, a one-on-three fast break, would dribble around his guy, and wait for his teammates to finally cut so he can find them. Like, <laughs> I think that's the thing, too. It's just like he's he, he didn't get disconnected from the game. And eventually he stuck with it, and he, he came up huge. And in terms of crunch time offense, I think this is a stat that's sort of been put out there. But the Raptors so far, obviously only four games. But they played crunch time every single game. And they have been pretty great in crunch time every single game. What do you make of that? Is, is that, is that the, the early signs of continuity sort of paying off? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But but the biggest thing is it goes back to what you said initially in terms of re- relying on Fred and Pascal. And yep. we've seen them go to that Fred and Pascal pick and roll time and time again. And uh, one interesting wrinkle uh, that Fred uh, talked about after the game last night is getting Gary in the corner more often. Mm. And we obviously saw that dagger shot for Gary come from the corner. And he might have been behind the backboard <laughs> the way he sidestepped deeper into the corner. I don't know how he stayed in bounds. Well, hey, like Fred was saying, man, as long as <laughs> as long as Gary can see the basket, he's open. <laughs> so Fred's got great quotes, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think that's an important thing where Fred was talking about. Even in transition, they want Gary running out to the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he is a legit gravity guy. He commands that attention, and so I think getting him in those corners where opposing defenders can't cheat and just, you know, attack the glass. Like, how many times do we see uh, Delano stationed in the corner? Do we see um, Precious stationed in the corner? Boucher knocked down a pair in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. And so now you get Gary in the corner. That's a really tough decision to make to leave him, Mm -hmm. right, if you're going to go help on a Pascal drive yeah, or a Scotty drive when he's healthy. And so I think... Those are little things uh, that the Raptors are doing that are going to make them uh, a bit more uh, free offensively in crunch situations. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you really break down the nuts and bolts of it, I think I actually really like Gary in the weak side corner, not the strong side corner. Mm -hmm. I think um, 
usually what they've done is I, I noticed this last night with Pascal too is he would attack obviously in that sort of like elbow area. I mean, I'm watching the screen beside us right now in the studio. He's literally doing this, okay? <laughs> and, he, and he has an empty side, right? He doesn't want anyone in the corner because that allows him to potentially drive baseline. It forces the help usually to come from the top of the floor. And when the help comes to the top of the floor, Pascal makes a kick out. They swing, swing, swing. The guy who's open is most often the guy in the weak side corner. Yep. Because the rotation is the longest to get from the guy who helps on Pascal, the double teamer, needs to then rotate all the way back to the opposite corner. And if you move the ball quickly, which the Raptors have done so far, that's the shot that's going to be open the most. And in fact, that that was the final play was Pascal is in the post. He draws two, kicks it to Fred. Fred swings it to Gary. Now, the Heat were actually really good in rotation there. But Gary said, I'm going to sidestep even deeper into the <laughs> – I'm going to go behind the backboard, shoot it, and, and, and cash it. That was amazing. But, um, yeah, I think, you know, just overall spacing has has kind of like – you know, there at times it's it's gummy. Like, especially when they go to the bench, it gets pretty nasty, right? Um you know, we've seen combinations of, like, Precious, Delano, and Christian Coloco on the floor at the same time. Yep. No spacing between the three of those guys. I mean, Precious can knock down the occasional three, but people aren't really respecting the shot right now. Um, but overall, as a team, the Raptors are shooting 40% from three. They're fifth, I think, in the NBA right now in three-point percentage. What do you make of that? Because that's that's got to be a surprise area for you, no? Um, yes and no. I think... One thing I was curious about coming into this season mm -hmm. is seeing what the Raptors really are as uh, a three-point shooting team. Okay. Because I think two things can be true when you look back at last season. Yes, they were a poor three-point shooting team, yep. but also it could have looked worse than it really was because you never really saw Fred, Gary, OG, on the court together that much. Mm -hmm. And then when Precious came around as a three-point shooter... OG was out. Fre OG was out, and, and Fred was out. shooting 29% from three. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think one of the things I was curious about coming into this season, now Otto Porter Jr. hasn't been healthy, and Chris Boucher has just come back. But now if you get Pascal knocking down some of these uh, above-the-break threes and you get uh, all of these guys knocking down shots, what does that look like for the team? Mm. And so are they a better three-point shooting team than we even imagined. Yeah, and I think, you know, and that, and to that front, like, it's it's not like anyone's necessarily, like, shooting the lights out to the degree where it feels unsustainable. Right. It just looks like good organization and spacing on offense. And, and that's where you do have to give Nick a lot of credit, too. It's just like, you know, he's not working with that many healthy shooters at the moment, right? Even when everyone's healthy, like, there are, there's actually a lot better shooting, as you mentioned, but still, like, you know, it wouldn't say the Raptors have shooters up and down the roster like Golden State or anything like that. But the way they're attacking right now with Pascal playing in the areas that he is, punishing double teams. I mean, this is part of the reason why he's like flirting with triple doubles every single night. Right. And I think, you know, the other portion, too, is just like you still do need some bench production. First three games, so little bench play. Um, I think in that Brooklyn game, that was their number one downfall was that they got nine total points off the bench. Yep. Uh but last night, much better. Chris Boucher returns to the lineup. You know, friend of the program, Chris. You know, of salute. Course. Okay, we've been we've been advocating for him to come back. If you listen to the post game comments, the teammates were all joking about how they're like, "Chris, come back, please! Like we need you." <laughs> and then you see the immediate impact. Obviously, he got into foul trouble, jumped a couple times on, on pump fakes. Listen, you know, we're past that at this point. We're just gonna move on, okay? But the scoring, the corner threes, uh, my boy William, <laughs> the the activity defensively, the synergy with him and Precious. Uh, I just thought that, like, that really restored the identity of the Raptors 
uh, that they showed for a large part of what made some successful last season. So what did you see from Chris in his uh, season debut? I saw hustle play. <laughs> oh, what a, <laughs> what a not... plug. What a plug. <laughs> I saw a guy that was just getting after it, that yeah. loved to be back out on the court uh-huh. uh, and really just, you know, accentuates everyone else's skills. All, all of a sudden, Precious is talking about how, okay, he can trust uh, where Chris Boucher is going to be. So it's like if he wants to roam a little bit, he can do that. And mm-hmm. so I think little things like that make such a big difference. And then, you know, as a team, when you see Chris Boucher playing with that energy, getting after it on the offensive glass, like you are going to be motivated to do the same. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this is how we used to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and, 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 and listen, salute to Precious. I thought, um, especially watching back on the film, not only, obviously, the 22 rebounds stand out, but to me, you know, when we talked about the fourth quarter defense, right, they only allowed, like, seven points over pretty much, like, more than half the quarter in the fourth quarter. So much of that was really interesting to me because, um, number one, Spo made a mistake by not putting Butler back into the game. I mean, he sent him to the score somewhere around the six-minute mark, but there were no breaks in play until about three minutes left. So mm-hmm. those are three crucial minutes and probably, like, six or seven offensive possessions where you didn't have your best player in, right? So that's a big mistake by Spo, but thank you. All right. Um, but I think the other thing, too, is just like, okay, so without Butler on the floor, what they were trying to do is leverage the threat of Bam Adebayo going into the post or going towards the basket and stretching the court so that he can pull some guys with him and then the three-point shooters are open for Miami, right? And the one interesting adjustment I saw was just how often the Raptors had their big wings guarding their opposing smalls, right? Whether it was Kyle Lowry being up the court, Kyle would be guarded by, like, Pascal. That's not a normal matchup, yeah. right? But they will put Pascal on him. They put OG on, on Tyler Hero, right? So when they came up with these screens with Bam Adebayo, they can just switch them. Yep. There were no advantages for the Heat's offense, and that's why their offense went nowhere. But I think for Precious in particular, not only did he have to really do a good job of executing the switches, guarding on the perimeter, obviously rebounding the ball, but there are times when, and you can, like, stop the game in the fourth quarter, and you'll see it. The opposing guard for Miami would have the ball just inside of half, and your center, Precious Achua, is guarding him on the ball right there. How many centers in this league, and we know Precious is not a true center, but how many centers in this league can guard 40 feet from the basket? Not many. You know what I mean? So you got to give Precious a lot of credit for, for playing in his role. And, I mean, look, we don't expect 22 rebounds every single game, but... I think the role that he played last night, and wow, we're just watching him on a switch right here guarding uh, Gabe, you know, Vincent on a drive. But like, how like it, it's is this the role that we can expect from Precious defensively? I think so. When all the pieces are healthy, it, you have a team where everyone can just slot into the right spot. Okay. And so I think with Precious, to your point, like I went back and watched those those rebounds, and he literally grabbed every different type of rebound possible. Okay, what do you mean by that? <laughs> so there's almost like the basic one where he's matched up with Bam Adebayo and he's yeah. just boxing him out, gets yeah. the board. Yeah. Okay, yeah. standard. Then there's he's matched up with Jimmy Butler and then all, all of a sudden there's a switch and now he's onto Bam. Mm-hmm. So he's guarded Jimmy Butler, then he's boxing out Bam, gets the rebound. Mm-hmm. Then... He's defending guards on the perimeter, as you were talking about. And then he hustles back uh, to get the rebound uh, when the shot goes up. There was a play where 
he's matched up with Max Struess on the weak side corner, mm-hmm. and Bam's got a mismatch with Delano, and a shot goes up, and Precious realizes he's got to go help Delano. Yeah. And so he just races over and gets the board before Bam can get there. Hmm. And it, it, and so it's boards like that where you're just saying, man, he can get every single type of rebound yeah. because of his versati- versatility. Yeah. And the ability to do that is super unique. Mm-hmm. Like even, even at the end, when he gets that rebound off of Pascal, like free throw line jumper uh, ahead of Max Struess. Yeah. How many times last season did we see him just try to force back up a shot? Yeah. And it instead, this is where you see the growth. Mm-hmm. And so he kicks it back out to OG yeah. just as he sees like Bam start to rush over as well. And now you get a wide open three. Yeah. And the Raptors get a three-point lead. And that was a go-ahead play. Yeah. Right? You, you, you make the push. Your defense is solid. You just make that push over and over and over again. And then finally, you get that play where Precious is able to do it. And, and I liked it too because, look, all those rebounds really allowed the Raptors to get on the break, right? But we, there's also this tendency, especially last season, where Nick's giving, giving every single player on his team the green light to drive once they collect the rebound, right? Um you know, Precious can be very effective on the fast break, but there's also some times where he sort of messes it up, right? Yep. Rushes a little bit too hard, forces a shot up, whatever, right? But I think last night, he did a really great job of not doing that. <laughs> finding Pascal, finding Fred, and saying, look, we're still going to push and transition, but I'm going to make sure that our best players have the ball in their hands so that they can make sound decisions. One of the other th- reasons why the Raptors have been good this year they don't turn the ball over, right? And, you know, honestly, Precious is probably one of the more turnover-prone guys. So you got to give him full credit for playing his role. Uh, great dunk uh, and one at the end there, too. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, if there's actually just any sort of, like, oddities from last night's game, it's probably OG. Only yeah. taking four shots. Did you just make, quickly, you before we go to OG, I okay. just remembered another play that Precious made, which right. was, one, knowing his teammates, but it was also hilarious because um, there was... Uh, so OG was handling the ball up top. Okay. And Gary was about to be wide open on the wing. Mm-hmm. And Precious was in the corner. And he recognized that Gary was going to be open. Oh, that shot's going there's, up. There's no way I'm getting this ball. <laughs> yeah. And he just immediately just <laughs> ran to the glass. <laughs> that, hey, and then he got the offensive rebound. That's continuity, right? <laughs> that's knowing your teammates, man. Exactly. If the ball's going to be passed to Gary, he's going he's gonna to pass the ball. Or he's going to shoot the ball. By the way, the last one- or get back on defense. Yeah. Well, the one time Gary did actually pass the ball yesterday, um, I don't know if you saw this video. Like yeah. a three sixty. It was the most dramatic <laughs> assist. It was like a simple, like uh, you know, point to wing pass to Fred open for three. But Gary just decided to do a random three sixty. I, I really enjoy Gary, man. He's, yeah, uh, he's he's a maverick. He's a uh, he's a, he moves at the the beat of his own drum. All right. Um. Yeah. Last thing. OG. OG. Only four shots last night. So what was going on? I mean, he had foul trouble and stuff, but he ended up playing thirty four minutes. Um. Honestly, I, I thought that he was just playing within the flow of the offense. Um, so the offense just didn't flow to him? Yeah. Okay. And I thought he played tremendous defense. That's true, always. And I think, you know, that that's just going to be how it is some nights. It's surprising for sure. You would think that, you know, on a night mm-hmm. that Scotty Barnes isn't playing, that you see an uptick for OG. But I thought for the most part... Uh, he played the way he should offensively. I still think there's things he needs to learn in terms of his premeditation because there's times okay. where 
he's on the perimeter and the ball is swung to him and it's like he's already made up his mind to drive. Yeah. And it's like, you've got a wide open shot, just take it. Mm. Or, you know, it can be vice versa as well, where, you know, he, he is contested and he's like, he's already made up his mind to shoot. So he's right. just going up with the shot. So I think things like that, he, he can improve at. Um, and again, that's somewhat a player who's maybe more of an athlete than a basketball player. And, mm. you know, maybe some will argue, hey, he needs those reps to get that understanding and whatnot. But also, you know, within this team, when healthy, it's perfectly fine for him to be, you know, option four, option five. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the tracking data now. He, he had 44 touches last night. This is lower than his season average. I agree. Um, you know, but at the same time, a guy like Gary had 37 touches and he put up 19 shots. Yep. More t- more shots than passes is, is a really hard thing to do in the NBA, man. As a guard. Not for Gary. <laughs> Yo, this is unbelievable, man. This guy, this guy was shooting whenever he touches it, man. It's it's. But I mean, listen, you know, I, I think you got to be aggressive in the offense too. And I think yeah, I think there is a better balance to be struck than than him only thinking OG only thinking. I think so shots, for sure. You know? When Scotty's out, for sure. Yeah. No, even when Scotty's in, I think that like you 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 you. Okay, this is the these are the this is the shot spectrum for OG that I like, and I'm curious to see if you like this. But obviously, catch and shoot threes yep. from the corners, from the top, whatever. Catch and shoot threes on kickouts. The ball swings over, shoot that ball right. That you know you had that other clip where, or I think someone else, someone else posted the clip, but it was like Scotty crossover, cross court pass to OG. He doesn't shoot it. Yeah, has to go for a step back. Shoot the three, right? Catch and shoot threes. That's your best thing that he can do. Second thing I like, him running out on the break early in transition, gets early post position, catches it deep in the post, has a one-on-one opportunity, scores. Like those, take those opportunities, whatever. Third, cutting, right? Either getting off the offensive glass, uh, you know, cut it, you know, cut to the glass after someone else claps, gets the board, or if he gets his own uh, offensive rebound, try to go back up around the, po- uh, the basket. You're cool with all of that stuff. You know, basically, if it doesn't really involve dribbling, those are pretty much going to be efficient shots for OG. Yep. And, you know, even in that context, there are probably more than four shots available. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm trying to say. No, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah. I, I think the ch- challenge with OG is kind of what Nickner says uh, about different players that are, you know, trying to move up the ranks, right? It's like, hey, we've seen, you know, you have that A-plus game one out of five nights. Okay, how do we get that to two? How do mm-hmm. we get that to three? How do we get that to four? Yeah. No one's going to have, you know, five out of five or ten out of ten yeah. great nights in the NBA, right? But Except for Pascal Siakam <laughs> right now. <laughs> no, he's playing great, man. He is incredible. Yeah. He is absolutely incredible. But, yeah, with OG, I think that is the challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, when you look at that game he had on opening night, that was as perfect a game as you would want to see from OG. Yep. Right? literally doing everything you could possibly ask for. And so is that the type of game that you would see one out of every 10 nights or is it two out of every 10 nights? You know, yeah, it's fair. that's where, you know, he can move into a different tier. All right. All right. Well, look, it was a great win. Um, I think those are good things to build on. And of course, you got to turn your attention to Philly uh, for another one of these uh, home and home series coming up. But uh, yeah, for now, we're going to take a break. Vivek, thank you for joining us on the program. Uh, I've been your host, Bolu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Raptors on the Sportsnet Radio Network. What am I doing? Uh, I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. For the second segment, big thanks to Big V for coming in to recap the Heat game. And uh, yeah, Alex, you know, one thing you managed to do on the show is is not talk that much hoop. It's actually one of your signatures as, as, a, as a co-host. So I'm going to flip it on you because you don't have your laptop here today. Um, you do have your phone, but, you know, no laptop. And I, I'm just going to hit you with some hoop. Hoop talk. Oh, I love are, are you, are you ready for this? Yeah, I love basketball. Because people want to know what your basketball opinions are, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Other than just yeah, that sure uh, modern that. NBA sucks. But, you know, I know you got 20 minutes to kill, so I'm here, man. It's actually less than, so yeah, we're I'm actually, a hired gun. We're, we're, Let's go. You're a full-time employee, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yo, don't break the facade, man. Yeah. Question number one. Are you Company concerned man. Yeah, what's up? about minutes and usage so far? For no, the no. I, I see a lot of talk about this. And okay. I think when you look at the minutes... And I know we've talked about it too. Fred is approaching like 40 minutes a game at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's at around 39. But he I is at 38.8. 38.8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's like you saying I'm 40 when I'm 38. Well, you're 38. <laughs> I'm 38.1 right? <laughs> right now. But you know, apparently, I got people uh, congratulating me for being 40. Yeah, All right, basketball. Yeah. So no, man, I'm not concerned at all. I think you've said this on the React Pod and on the Raptor Show as well. If they're going to win these games, especially with this schedule at the beginning of the season, you're going to have to play your starters like 35, 40 minutes. Mm, Unless okay. you have players like Precious Achua coming off the bench, grabbing 22 rebounds. Yeah. Which, by the way, we're bringing the most improved player talk back out of oh, storage. Okay. There we go. Uh, after yesterday. Very, uh, a lot of just overreactions first first week of the season. Yeah, so, yeah, that's fair. So we're swinging back and forth a little bit. But like... You know, how many bench guys do you trust? I mean, we did this last year too, right? Mm. We did this in Tampa. That's a good segment. How many? Yeah, let's do it right now. Okay. Um, How many bench players do you trust right now? I've got Chris Boucher. Yes. And recency bias. I've got Precious, but I think we are, we need more consistency on that end. I'm not talking about 22 rounds a game. I just mean energy, contribution, just no like silly mistakes, all that stuff. You Mm -hmm. want a consistent player off the bench. Yeah. So I'll put Precious in there, one foot in. Who else? That didn't play last night. Uh, I was a little surprised that didn't play last night. Really? Yeah. <laughs> well, when the, when the Heat went to zone, I was like, okay, look, okay. I get it. If you don't want to play Thad like, in an up-and-down game. But if it's a half-court battle and OG's not playing well and he's got foul trouble, why not play Thad? You know, like, there was a play last night where at the start of the fourth quarter, the Heat went to the zone. And I swear it took... 15 seconds for them to just input the ball to Precious in the middle of the floor. Like, that's step one to beat the zone. You get to the, you feed the man in the post. Do you think the Raptors and they practice do that. that a lot? Because I feel like this has been a recurring pattern, especially against Miami, who's the team most likely to zone them <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. No, these two teams should not play each other. This is it's bad for basketball. No, no, no. You know, you know the basketball is bad when Wulu can be like, oh, yeah. Yesterday, he's like, oh, it's going to be a 91-90 grudge match. And he was pretty much yeah. right on the spot. All I said yesterday for the Bet River segment was take the under and also take the Raptors to win, which, by the way, both things happen. I yeah. Think. But um, but yeah, like I, I think you probably could have used that a little bit. But I, I think I would trust that if he's available. Okay. If, if Nick's gonna play him, I just feel like we need to be setting a higher bar. What about uh, Otto? Yes, I mean I haven't seen Otto play, so I guess it's a, you know, N A <laughs> N slash A at the moment. That's fair. Yeah. But yes, you know, Otto obviously has a proven record. 
So I think he's there too. Okay. But I mean, should we just start setting the bar a little higher just overall? Like I was listening to Vivek Jacob um, in, in the first segment and he was talking about how because of the injuries last year, because of the rotations and like players coming in and out, we didn't get to see the full potential of what this team could be as a three-point shooting team, right? Mm. I disagree okay. with that. Okay. I just, we need, we need an elite three-point shooter Okay. on this team. Like we just do. Like I, I feel like we How keep... about we get Doug McDermott and Jakob Proto at the trade deadline? Oh, that Spurs. would be awesome. Oh, Doug McDermott's on the Spurs too? Okay. He's been there for a I while. I like that. I like that. No, but you know uh, what I mean though? Are you, where, where do you stand on this? Because I know we keep, I feel like th- this is the thing. We keep squinting and trying to find ways to justify that the Raptors have a good three-point shooting team. And why are we doing that? We need, a, we need, no, like, I, no, I'm serious. Why are you saying it like this? No, man? but why are we doing that? Like, we, we shoot the ball well it, so far. No, but it's very clear uh-huh. that we need an elite three-point shooter. Like, I feel like that's a skill set that's clearly missing. Like, yeah, okay. We, you one okay, yeah, you okay with these five-minute offensive droughts that take place literally every single game? Uh, no. We're just going to overlook that? No, but... It happened last night, too. You're, you're right. You're right. right. But do you think they need another creator, or do you think they need another shooter specifically? They need a shooter, but the problem like is... like a creator or a finisher? Because that's the two very different things. I, I always just want, like, a spot-up shooter. Just just a spot... Like, okay, someone who then. you know... Yeah. So, one more Gary, essentially. One more Gary. Okay. I mean, Gary's a very good, above-average three-point shooter. Yeah, he's But I'm talking shooter. about, like... You know, what, what, like yeah. top level, like elite. Okay. Like I All just right, feel man. like the three-point shooting is is just clearly something that's missing from from this team. Okay, and I don't, and I, I, I'm just in disagreement with. All the talk about how, like, at their peak level, if they have the best lineup, rolling out their top five shooters out there, it might not be a problem. I just feel like it will be a problem. Okay, that's fair. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. That's I think what, they could also use another creator. you want to talk hoops, man. That's what, wow, okay. I didn't know you had to say <laughs> I didn't even know opinions. I had any opinions. <laughs> <laughs> what other opinions do I have? Nick Nurse as a head coach? No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing for the trade deadline. It's just like, I think it's we're gonna have the same discussions. By the way, just 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 breaking news, we will have the same discussions. Yes, we'll have a two-hour show, and the Raptors will trade for uh, Thaddeus Young the second. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't. I honestly, that could be used in a trade if the Raptors no, but, ultimately don't end up playing. You know him, but yeah, you're right though. Yeah, go ahead. But like, yeah, that's what you'd be looking to to get back is a reliable center, like a starting caliber level center, right? And a shooter. Yeah, and a shooter. Or, if you could but, only, pro- but probably only one. You, know, you could only pick one. The, the Raptors are like an immigrant family, man. You're, you, you, yeah, have yeah. A, you might have a Christmas wish list, but you're getting yeah. maybe you're getting one of those. You're getting PC Cola from Costco. Yeah. Um, you which, come from you, generational wealth. You can't make this joke. Sorry, man. I'm just trying to put up a public front. Um, if you... um, I did drink PC Cola growing up, though. Not yeah, a name kept, brand yeah, family. Your parents, your parents kept you humble. My parents kept me cool. very humble, and uh, it's all coming out now, 38.1 years later. Mm. But if you could only pick one, then, center... Or a shooter. If you could only pick one under the Christmas tree, just like when you were eight years old and you wanted a Game Boy Color and you got the black and white Game Boy instead. Uh, yeah. Um, Which one would you take? First off, I got a, a refurbished <laughs> Game Boy Advance SP. <laughs> for my first ever game console. It was great. Yeah. Um, my dad threw that off the balcony. Yeah, uh, yeah. When I was Told uh, that story off the 12th season floor, one. Yeah. floor uh, season when I played one. it too much. Yeah. Watch um, season one. I think, man, I oscillate all the time. Actually, there's some games where the Raptors play. I don't know, like uh, Nick Claxton, who gets like sure seven offensive rebounds. And I'm like, yeah. damn, I wish they had a center. And then some games, you know, they shoot like ten of forty from three, and I'm like, okay, I wish they got a shooter. I think to me, it's just like offensively, they probably do need that a little bit more because I think that like when you have the combo of Chris and Precious in the game, mm-hmm. I don't worry about the glass. I don't really worry about even like. Um, 
rim protection. I think those guys do a really great job of it. Sure. I think if they had another creator, like, you know, for example, in the offseason when Malcolm Brandon's like, Hey, just for fun, um, I, I turned down the Raptors. I'm like, okay, why are you turning this out loud? By the uh, way, amazing uh, players that are going to get booed at Scotiabank Arena list so far. It's Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> and Caleb Martin. If you had on, if you had on the parlay, hit me up, man. It's a whole oh, new game. It's oh a whole new God. game right now. Well, that's yeah. the other thing too. Is your favorite unforeseen storylines this season? I'm going to ask you for that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, like I, I think a, another creator like that, sure, like a Malcolm Brogdon who can catch and shoot for three, but also yeah. drive. He's a very good driver. You well. Know? I will say... You're missing that. Because it's like, my other questions yeah. are like Delano or Malachi. The answer is yeah, neither. Right but I now. mean, like, even circling back to when we were trying to pick how many guys we trust off the bench, right? It's tough. Yeah, like, I feel right. like every every player you pick, even a Thad Young, like, I love, you know, what Thad Young brings on the floor. But, you know, how many guys are giving you consistent production every night? Right? We'll see. I mean, hopefully guys Listen, get healthier. Early. I get it. Yeah. But we've seen this trend for a couple of years, right? That's fair. Yeah, That's why right. it's there's reason to maybe just be concerned mm. early on. I will say with the trade deadline talk, though, you know, that's a really good point because the Raptors are very well positioned to make a trade. Yep. They got more salaries to use. They've got all their picks. They got all their if picks. If they want to use it. Although they got I think guys they'll who be are very making judicious. money who aren't necessarily in the rotation right now sure. that you could piece together, right? Like, yeah. for example, you can throw... Kem and Thad into a, a deal that gets you about twelve million right. in salaries, so you could probably take back about fourteen, fifteen. And in general, the Raptors don't have a bad contract on their roster. No, even the guys who don't play, like again, those guys, those are short term contracts that you can sort of aggregate into bigger deals. Again, we could talk about this later down the line. Oh, I think okay. for now, it's just like it's just looking ahead in terms of like what they may need. I, I'm sure the front office thinks about this all the yeah. time. Um, so yeah, what, your favorite unforeseen storyline this season that has emerged for you is it, is it the Caleb Martin hate? That has gone around. <laughs> I mean, I'm not surprised. But I did see Caleb Martin apologized. I thought that was really cool, No, that was cool. That was cool of him to say that. He yeah, said he cool. talked to Christian. He says they're yeah. cool. He talked about it. He said Christian shouldn't have been thought. thrown out. He just was doing what he was supposed to do. Yeah. He took a pause. He, he, he did did he hand over $15,000? No, but why were people expecting him to pay his fine? Are you kidding me? <laughs> why not, man? No, that's not how this if game If I accidentally played. got you suspended for one game, would you expect me to pay you $15,000? We're, we're very good friends. Like, these guys don't even know each other. We got to do and that also, thing I think where it's illegal. I think, we got to do that thing where on the count of three, we both say what we think our friendship is out of 10. Let's do it at the end of the season. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see how this year two goes. Uh, let's see. I got another, I got another basketball thought. Okay. Yeah. I was, you know, I was watching, um, you know, beloved Groat, uh, Kyle Lowry struggle last night. Yeah. One of eight. And I know there's been obviously a lot of talk, especially after last year's playoffs mm. uh, about uh, Kyle's decline. Um, and I was just thinking, I mean, not to not to just add more hype to, you know, Masai Ujiri, but like, you know, if you look at it, if you separate the sentimental side of all all these Raptors leaving, right? Yeah, of course. The Raptors have moved on from a lot of the players from the championship core at the perfect time. Hmm. Kyle? Yeah. Okay. In retrospect, obviously with hindsight, right? Um, well, Serge? I mean, you, you first of all, Kyle just left in free agency and you still got pressures out that day. Yes. Kyle yes. could have just left to Miami. They probably would have had to pay yes. him less, yes. but they were able to accommodate him and get a prospect yes. back. And Precious, by the but way, again, setting aside night. the sentiment, if if Kyle was on a like what is it, three year, ninety million dollar deal right now? Yeah, I don't know how you feel about just the team building going forward. Right? Um, first off, you couldn't do your all six nine thing because you'd have two small yes. point guards. But just the contract alone, right? Yes. Right. And then, and then the trickle down effect of you know, do the young guys get the minutes and the experience that they mm -hmm. get? Sure, yeah. 
I put Surge in there as well. Listen, I love Surge. Listen, we all wanted we Surge got the back best at years that time. Of, we got the best years of Surge here in Toronto. We I mean, did. his best years were in OKC. No, but they were very yes. good in Toronto as yes. well. And I, I think, yeah, just obviously you can't force the injuries, but yep. he hasn't really played that much and hasn't been that effective since leaving Toronto. Yeah, I put Demar in there just because obviously Demar was traded for Kawhi. I mean, yeah, Kawhi's okay. all-time like that's deal. We don't need to talk deal. about that. Mark? Yeah, yeah, he went to the Lakers. They said, uh, we're going to play Andre Drummond over you. And then he literally went home to Spain. Yeah, I'm happy for Mark. But Me at the too. same time, like, like yeah, I think yeah, we saw a decline in the right Mark, time. right? Yeah. Yeah. Norm as well. Flipping hmm. Norm, not paying him the contract. Getting Gary instead. And then getting Gary and kind of resetting with a younger player yeah. on the roster. That one is more like a net neutral. Okay, no, that's fair. But at the same but time, it wasn't I a, understand well, it. wasn't it. a loss. Well, I mean, Norm's Rangers. like almost 30 now. Yeah. And like we know exactly what Norm was going to be. And they kind of wanted to take a look at Gary. And yeah. Gary's basically the same level of player as Norm. Yeah, so, well, I, I think if Norm was yeah. on this roster right now with the contract that he has. I, I mean, I, exactly. I'd rather have yeah. Gary on a two-year deal than, than Norm. There would be a lot of deal. talk about, you know, maybe moving on from Norm mm. or justifying that. Mm. So I know, I know, you know, the city has not hyped up Masai enough um, and Bobby Webster as well. So yeah, just wanted to point that no out. No one's hyped up Bobby Webster except no, for the no, show. No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. Asian we don't mafia. we don't like you, Bobby. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's our guy. Shouts to Bobby. No, but that was just uh, you know. Okay, that's my hoops it's not observation. Not bad. Not bad. What else you yeah, have in the rundown just here? Not bad. Uh, Thanks, man. Danielle Marshall will be a problem today. Yeah. So I don't know how this came up last night. Okay. After so after the game, you were like, no, Danielle Marshall on, on will be a problem. On the Sportsnet broadcast, at the end of the okay. game, they were showing like Raptors players with the most rebounds in a single game. Sure. And it was guys that you would expect. Like I forget who else was like Chris Bosh, probably like JV maybe Bismack Biombo. Like, sure. You know, uh, Solomon Allaby had a 19 oh, rebound Oh, okay, game. The, the, the rebound And then games, one okay. of them was Danielle Marshall, who had 24 rebounds. Yeah, who's, who's only ever known here in, in Toronto for hitting the 12 threes. But how, how that's amazing, because th- there's not that many Danielle Marshall memories in Toronto. Yeah. But he somehow had a 12 three game. Yeah, and also just, had a 24 rebound game. So yeah, I just had to check you a little bit. I feel like you were getting a little too excited. I was, because um, I said Danielle Marshall would be, in, a, in today's prob- NBA, would yeah. be a problem. And I was yeah. like, you got to stop. But wouldn't he be, though? Well, because we established yesterday, or we've established, like, throughout the show, like, you can't talk about any Raptors pre, like, 2004. No, but I, well, I watched Danielle Marshall, Okay, man. well, you, I, know, I, you know what we're going to do next what? time Alvin's on? Yeah. Instead of asking him who the Caleb Martin is today. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> the groan. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have this Danielle Marshall discussion. Okay. Okay. I think Alvin will be with me on let's this go one, through. Man. Let's go through some of the old Raptors rosters, and we'll pick up some players, and we'll talk to Alvin about it. Yeah. How they would perform in today's NBA. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. How much? Oh, four minutes. Uh, okay. But yeah, my best is saying he he, oh, okay. he rebounded the ball. He, he was a decent defender at the basket. He yeah. shot the three at a pretty effective level. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Modern big. Okay. Ahead of his time, Danielle Marshall. Yeah, you're two weeks away from saying he's better than Chris Bosh, man. <laughs> I mean, he wasn't, but you know. Um. Yeah. Shouts to Ennis Esmer. So obviously, Spice and Dice got another mention on on the broadcast. Nice. Yesterday. Nice. Nice. Uh, and you know another nickname that he pitched last year, uh, Smacks Milk. Yeah. So this is based on Max Milk, uh, the the convenience store. Um. And you know he he like translated to Smacks Milk for Chris and Precious. Uh. You know we initially hated the nickname, but it's kind of growing on me. I just yeah. like saying it. No, it, it's it's one of those things that you you kind of have to you love to hate it. You know? Yeah. And I think the two of them deserve a nickname together yeah. collectively. So let, let's go with Smacks Milk for now. And I think we should have a Smacks Milk meter for Chris and Precious whenever they cross 20 points and 20 rebounds combined. That's, that, a, that's that, a big gulp at that point. <laughs> I'm a confusing convenience store. That's, that's, that's 2% milk right there. Wow. Dude, I feel like that's fair expectations for them. 20 points and 20 combined. rebounds? Yeah. 
A lot of, uh, I mean, how long are you expecting them to play? Let's set the bar high for them. Did they have that yesterday? They did, right? I mean, I think Chris had 10. Precious, Precious had 10. Yeah, Precious, Precious, alone. Had Precious alone covered the rebounds. All right. I'm just I saying. mean, that's optimistic, but at the same time, like, I do love them together as a combo. And, yeah. um, or we can call them Don't Doubt Them Juniors. Yeah. Oh, speaking of hymns. Oh, my God. What about Pascal Siakam? No. Man. Are we not, we're not going to get that hymns, off the ground? Man. No, too many hymns. Pascal Siakam? Pascal Siakam? Pascal Siakam? Pascal Siakam? The minute. <laughs> He's two hymns? I'll tell you. I'll tell you this joke off air. <laughs> okay. All right. No, but. <laughs> no. No nicknames. Okay. What about this? Uh, it was. During the, the, the pandemic, yeah, Pascal or uh, Precious was watching, you know, uh, The <laughs> Last Dance. No, yeah, isn't no already. And he, he tweeted out something about Dennis Rodman. Okay. What, was it a Rodman performance? Because that's didn't, who you covered last we, season. Didn't we already call everyone on the team a Rodman last well, season? Well, there was Pascal calling himself Rodman. Uh, <sighs> we're not Chris doing, Boucher, we're we're not doing Rodman. a Rodman thing. Justin Champagne was calling himself Rodman. Do we have four Rodmans on the team? We have yeah, three we hymns and do. four Rodmans. All right, fine. All right, man. See, let's, this is why Smack's most actually not that bad. Smack's milk. Because when you think about the yeah. other nicknames. Let's get out of here. Before we go, I just want to shout out to Tristan, a.k.a. Halfgood. You know, he posted a message today. Um, you know, he's he's recovering in the hospital right now. And oh, he's going to ha- have an operation this week. So just want to wish him the best of luck and, and hope to hope to see you soon, Tristan. And I know Tristan's a regular listener. So shouts to you, man. Uh, shouts to Tristan for sure. All right. That does it for us today. I'm your host, Willow. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to Vivek Jacob, producer and co-host Alex Wong, our board producer, Derek Brandale, and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. And I'll be back to talk to you tomorrow.